Good morning and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am Arch Hunter, the host of the program. Our American Heritage is a program where we explore in depth the American experience from its beginning to the present. And today we want to welcome back as our very special guest, Farah Kirchner. Farah, welcome back to the program and thank you for coming. Hi, Arch. My pleasure. I've known Fur for several years now. We've done some summer classes together at the Freedom Foundation. And I asked Fur, as I saw her a few weeks ago, if she'd come back on the show, and she willingly is doing that. So we want to thank her for coming back. In our first program, Fur was talking about the Grimke sisters and giving a little bit of background. And she was talking about Sarah Grimke. And uh, that's where we left. So Fur, if you'd like to pick up with Sarah, you, you said that she came to Philadelphia with her father and he passed away. And, and then she came back to Philadelphia, and she was uh, influenced by Israel Morris? Yes, indeed. Yeah. And some of the other people who were in the Quaker or the Society of Friends religion, she was very attracted to that because women were encouraged to have a voice in in that religion. Yeah. So Sarah was born in luxury in the South to a very, very landed and rich family. They were rice and cotton growers, and they had hundreds of enslaved people on their plantations. But Sarah became a little bit disillusioned by all of that. And when she accompanied her father to Philadelphia for her father's health reasons, she realized that there was this bigger world out there, out of the South Carolina bubble, And so she became an advocate against slavery and for abolition when she got to Philadelphia. And so that's kind of a little background on Sarah. She really just would not be silenced and wouldn't allow people to tell her to be quiet, including some of the the Society of Friends that she had joined, they also, when she decided she wanted to try to be a minister in the society, they said, well, that, you know, that's just kind of not what we do. Like, it's, you can join us, but you're not allowed to be part of the leadership. <laughs> she got a little bit kerfuffled about that, got her feathers up. And the thing that that's really interesting about Sarah is that she didn't allow them to shut her up. She saw a real need for women to have a voice. She was just super, super smart and had wanted to be a lawyer, but was told that's not something women do. Sarah was number six of 14 children to John and Mary Grimke. And when number 14 came along, Angelina, Sarah begged her mother to be the godmother of Angelina. So Sarah was about 12 or 13 when Angelina was born and always was a mother figure to Angelina. And so, you know, we have this commonality between the two sisters that they weren't really willing to be part of that expectation of a young Southern girl that she was going to grow up and learn how to embroider and speak French and write nice letters and give good parties and have lots of children with her planter husband. Um, Neither one of them were very interested in that. Hmm. When her father passes away and she goes back to South Carolina, where is the tie? How does Sarah and Angelina get back to Philadelphia? Well, Sarah had gone back to Philadelphia. Angelina was a young girl and she was still down in South Carolina. And, you know, Angelina, I always I I have to chuckle because she's not that much different than your average American teenager. She has thoughts in her mind that are different than how she's been raised. And she's very vocal about 
what she thinks and feels to the point where her family must have just been rolling their eyes at her all the time. She decides to start dressing very plainly because she just thinks the opulence is very classist. <laughs> she tells her siblings that they should do away with, you know, eating things like butter because it's, you know, it's a luxury that they shouldn't dress nicely. And many of her other brothers and sisters are like, oh, yeah, that's our little woke sister, Angelina, you know, <laughs> um, she drives her mother crazy. Her mother loves her dearly, but they fight constantly. They're always bickering. And Angelina becomes kind of a pain in the butt to her family. She, you know, just keeping, she's trying to inform them and enlighten them. But originally, it is kind of believed now that Angelina's original abhorrence of slavery was not so much because of the slaves themselves. Her original feeling was that slavery was sinful and that her family was not going to find their way to heaven afterlife if they were enslavers, mm -hmm. especially her brothers and the men in her family. And so, you know, it is well believed that her original problems with slavery had more to do with the souls of the enslavers. As she becomes more mature, just like any other person, as they mature in life and they have more experiences and they become more educated on certain things. She, toward the end of her life, she truly, truly was an abolitionist for the sake of slavery. Mm -hmm. But as a young kid, she's actually really kind of a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what happens is Sarah, who's just that much older, who's gone to Philadelphia, realizes that her little sister Angelina is just not going to make it down there. Angelina does start looking at different religions and trying to kind of find answers. She does find a couple of people that other ministers and stuff that she talks to in South Carolina, but their feeling is more like, let's just pray for the souls of the slaves and pray for an end of slavery. And Angelina is just like, okay, that's great, but that's not going to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And so she finally realizes that she probably needs to get out of South Carolina, which for a woman in this time period to make that decision, you know, in, in the 18, late 1820s, it's quite extraordinary. Most women, unmarried women, did not pick up and say, I've, I've had enough of this, I can't take this and leave. Yeah. People don't always have the guts to do that even now. But back then for two quote unquote spinster sisters, <laughs> to be living by themselves in Philadelphia was was pretty unheard of. And so her family, their family was a little bit disgraced by this whole situation. But Sarah did come back down to South Carolina and brought Angelina back up to Philadelphia in 1829. So well, they both joined the friends and went to some anti-slavery meetings. But Sarah and Angelina kind of quietly went about their business very anonymously. Mm -hmm. And this is where, like I said in the last episode, this is where I tell my kids, you know, one generation's weirdo is the next generation's hero. <laughs> because Angelina probably would have quietly done her work, like most of us quietly do our work, and pretty anonymously, you know, except for our families, kind of move into the into the realm of, you know, oh, that person lived once, but not really anyone anyone's right. heard of. 
But she hears of these riots against abolitionists and blacks in New York and Philadelphia. And she also hears that anti-slavery material that's been sent down to the South, especially, you know, in her hometown of Charleston, is being burned publicly. And people are just in a big kerfuffle upset about this topic. So she, she writes a letter to William Lloyd Garrison. And William Lloyd Garrison, many people have heard of him. He, he was another staunch abolitionist at a time when not everybody was really talking about it. And he published his own little newspaper called The Liberator. And she wrote him a letter of support. And in that letter, she said, the ground upon which you stand is holy ground. Never, never surrender it. If you surrender it, the hope of the slave is extinguished and the chains of his servitude will be strengthened a hundredfold. Let no man take your crown and success is as certain as the rising of tomorrow's sun. And so that's unquote. William Lloyd Garrison receives this letter and he's, he's heard of Sarah Grimke and he, he says, oh my gosh, this is the poster child. Like this, this woman came from this opulence and left it. it. She's the perfect person to be speaking out against slavery. Besides a slave themselves who has been freed, this is a person who has seen it firsthand. And he publishes the letter in the Liberator without her permission. Hmm. And so it becomes a huge scandal, like very embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Her family is embarrassed. Her Society of Friends, Quaker friends are embarrassed. Her sister Sarah actually even says, Angelina, seriously, dude, you've gone way too far here. You (laughs) need to answer this. (laughs) I mean, everybody is like, this is too far. Mm -hmm. And this is where we see Angelina switch over from, I'm scared of my relatives going to hell because they're slave owners to I am fighting against this horrific slavery in itself. Mm-hmm. She says no, even to her beloved sister, Sarah, and she's willing to be ostracized. She's willing to be vilified. She's willing to never be able to go home and visit her family ever again. And she digs in. She, she basically doubles down and says, all right, I'm in it now. And she starts actually speaking publicly against slavery. And this is where there's a huge change in this petulant little girl um, Mm -hmm. who's just sort of a brat to someone who really finds some resolve. What was their evolution with these two sisters, uh, not only with abolition, but standing up for women's rights and fighting for women's rights also? Right. So Sarah had been feeling that deep within her soul as she was being told, you'd make a great lawyer. She's told by her father, who she really respects and who was the, you know, basically the Supreme Court Justice of South Carolina. She was told by him, hey, you'd make a great lawyer if you were a man. But that's completely out of the question. And her father had allowed her to read his law books. But, you know, he, he drew the line at her learning Latin and said, you know, that's just not ladylike. And so when Sarah had moved north and seen a little bit more freedom and been appreciated for her sharp, sharp, sharp mind, she started really thinking that women should be 
considered equal to men. And she actually even wrote, I don't see men's rights or women's rights. I see human rights. Mm -hmm. So between Sarah and Angelina, we see the first connection of the rights of all men and all humans to women feeling like they are in some ways, they're restricted, not as restricted as the slaves, obviously, but they are restricted in that they can't own their own property in many Mm -hmm. states. They aren't allowed to, that that when they get married, that any inheritance they have goes to their husband automatically, that they can't vote. And so they can't change anything. And Sarah and Angelina start speaking publicly up to women specifically saying, we know that you cannot necessarily vote, but you can be influencers to those people in your lives that can. Your fathers, your brothers, your husbands, you can influence these people. And you can petition under the First Amendment of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. You are allowed to petition and sign petitions. And so they started equating abolition with the rights of women and They got the attention of the Abolition Society in the North, and they actually were asked if they would give, first of all, public talks to women. And they were trained by a young theologian named Theodore Weld. Theodore Weld had promised that he would not marry until the slaves were free, and he was extremely dedicated to his cause of abolition. He trained many of these people to go speak publicly, but Angelina started actually getting quite a following, and she wrote an appeal to the Christian women of the Southern states in 1836. She called it moral suasion, Hmm. and she said, we have no right to enslave the Africans, surely we have none to enslave an American. And if a self-evident truth is all men everywhere and of every color are born equal, we have inalienable rights to liberty, then it is equally true no man can be born a slave and no man can ever rightfully be reduced to involuntary bondage, Mm. end quote. So she's basically using the Declaration of Independence and some, you know, other American truths to try to argue her point about slavery as well. And she said, she said, quote, I know you do not make the laws, but I also know you are the wives and mothers, the sisters and daughters of those who do. Mm. And so she thinks this is going to be accepted and that all the Southern women are just going to throw off the chains of all their slaves and everything's going to be great. And she's absolutely smacked across the face when she finds out that local authorities in Charleston, her hometown, had warned her mother that if Angelina ever returned home, she would be immediately arrested. Mm. She also argued with Catherine Beecher. The Beechers were a very, an abolitionist family. Among them, Harriet Beecher Stowe was Catherine's sister. Catherine's brothers and father were preachers. And, but they advocated more of a colonization or a return to Africa for mm-hmm. enslaved people. And many enslaved people had even been born in Africa. So there was no such thing as a return to Africa right. so much as shipping off to Africa. So anyway, Angelina, you know, continued to speak. And then she got into big trouble for speaking to what were called promiscuous audiences, <laughs> which would be men and women 
sitting together, not only on separate sides, but next to each other. So people are flocking to see Angelina and Sarah, but mostly Angelina speak. Sarah was a really great writer and wrote many women's rights pamphlets and letters, but Angelina spoke and she became quite, quite the rock star, really. But along with people flocking to see her, there were also people flocking to riot and protest. Sure. The thing that really completely throws her is that she was especially criticized by Theodore Weld, who had trained them. Mm. And Angela greatly admired Theodore. She just had stars in her eyes every time he was around, thought everything he said was really special and important. And so for her to be criticized by him just completely threw her for a loop. Mm. Eventually, what happened between Theodore and Angelina? (laughs) Well, Angelina ended up actually being rather ill from all of the traveling and all of the touring, you know, just like any other performer. She fell ill and she was, you know, Sarah took her back to Philadelphia and they basically kind of holed up and Angelina was ready to sort of give up. And she gets this letter from Theodore and he says, you are obstinate and you are stubborn and you are prideful and you don't listen. And I I don't know what to do with you. And so she's thinking, okay, here we go again. A man telling me, you know, that he just has had enough of me and I'm just too much for everything for everybody. And then on the, she turns the letter over and in these huge letters, if you look at the letter, you can see it in like twice the size letters he wrote, you know, from the moment I read the letter that you wrote to William Lloyd Garrison, Garrison. I have been intrigued by you and I have loved you from the moment I met you. And Angelina must have just been like, what? Wait, what? (laughs) So they write these letters back and forth to each other. And it's it's really funny to read their letters because they go, they're very, very passionate people, both of them, obviously. They're really, they, they have all the feelings, right? And so he's writing to her and she's writing to him and they're telling each other all their horrible faults and how you sure you want to be with me because, you know, I, I won't listen to you and I refuse to obey you as a woman. And, mm-hmm. you know, and at this point, Angelina is in her late 20s. She's way past her prime as far as anybody wanting to marry her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At, for the time period. And she and Theodore Weld end up actually they end up getting married in May of 1838. And they send out invitations that have the, um, the am I not a brother chain in slave, uh, uh, slave in chains, you know, the very famous kind of political cartoon mm-hmm. of a slave in chains. They have that on the top of their invitations and they had a mixed race wedding. They wrote their own vows. They had no real true religion at their wedding. They did have a black minister and a white minister who sort of, oversaw it, but they performed their own wedding to each other. Mm-hmm. They took out obey in the vows and Theodore Weld basically agreed to a prenup because Angelina still was getting her inheritance money from her yeah. family. Yeah. And so he agreed to, you know, he basically said, you get to keep 
everything you come into this marriage with, and I'm not going to take that from mm-hmm. you. These two ladies and and then Theodore were, were people way before their time, and and you can see their great influence on the society then, and then ultimately as it plays out. With a few little time we have left, you wanted to share a story about their younger brother. I believe he's the younger brother. Yes. So, um, well, it's one of their brothers. Angelina was the youngest. Um, so this was a brother between Sarah, who was number six, and Angelina. You know, Angelina and Theodore and Sarah went to speak right after the wedding, almost like a day after, into Pennsylvania Hall, which was a meeting hall that had been built for free speech in in Philadelphia. And um, mobs threw rocks through the windows and came in and basically just completely destroyed the inside of the hall. And then they set it on fire and firefighters just stood and watched it burn down to the ground. It really did a number on Angelina. And although she never spoke in public again, but she continued to work for the cause in private. And she and Sarah and Theodore and Angelina and Theodore's children, they they lived quietly pretty much for the rest of their life. But they did compile a book called Slavery As It Is, which was long before Google or the Internet or anything. They compiled thousands of wanted posters and classified ads that had been placed by slave owners for their runaway slaves. And they basically really outed slavery. And it became a nonfiction version of Uncle Tom's Cabin that really caused quite a firestorm. But, you know, they also found out quite later in life, in, you know, 1868, Angelina was reading through some kind of newspaper or magazine or something, and she saw the name Grimke, and they realized that their brother, Henry, had had three children Hmm. with one of their enslaved women on the Grimke plantation, and that these three nephews had kind of come about, gotten into some, some financial trouble because when the Grimke brother died, the boy's mother had, her name was Nancy Weston, and she had really struggled to try to keep her family afloat. So Sarah and Angelina had not known about these nephews, and they actually did care for them and financially help them and got them through school. In fact, their nephew Archibald ended up being quite prominent. He was a, um, I believe, an ambassador. He went to Washington, D.C. Mm. He worked with the beginnings of the NAACP, and he, he helped to found, found the NAACP. So, for, well, for, unfortunately, we are totally out of time. But again, thank you for sharing the, the story of the, these two women who are not that well-known, but had powerful impact on the abolitionist movement and ultimately women's rights. So, fascinating stories. So thank you for sharing that with us. Listeners, you would want your children to be in first classroom. I know that from so many different experiences. So far as we end, first of all, would you give your two quotes, the first one about heroes and then the quote that's in in your classroom? I think it would be apropos to to end the program with both of those. So, you know, I always tell my students that history's weirdos are modern day heroes. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I also have up in my room uh, something I came up with. We are the legacy of our ancestors and the inspiration for our descendants. And I remind my students every day, you know, you are the legacy and you need to be the inspiration. 
Absolutely. So, Elko, so far, thank you again for sharing the story of these two ladies and the, the impact that they have had. And hopefully our listeners will go back and, and start digging and looking these people up and be much more in tune to some of the founders of the abolitionist movement and the women's movement and what it cost them and where they helped get us to today as we progress in our perfect union. So thank you, Far. Absolutely. Thank you for giving them a voice. And those of you who are in Philadelphia, especially, you should be very proud that these ladies started out there. Absolutely. Thank you. This is 1180 AM WF, Memorial, working for your liberty.